0: Durko steals the puck from Reinhardt. Over to Hunter, who shoots. Block Wickenheiser scores. Doug Wickenheiser. The Blues pull it off, and it's unbelievable.
1: Why not? Why not Bennington? Why, I, I mean, at least say why not Huso, right?
2: So, this is a bold ass prediction. Blues are going to take the central. Are we like Ogil Corp? Are we on. suspended? Welcome to the show, everyone. This is Season 7, Episode 11, Franchise Episode number 144 of Let's Go Blues Radio. And of course, you are tuning in for the Talkin' Blues Summer Interview Series, which uh, is coming to a close here. I'll admit, man, when I started doing this, I thought, it's going to be hard to fill episodes all summer if I want to do one every week. It's actually the opposite now. Now I'm thinking, man, you kind of need to, to start doubling up, as I've said, and, and having more people on each episode, not just one person. But of course, here I am today with one person. I know I said last week that Cam Jansen would hopefully be on. That is not the case. Uh, our schedules just could not align. I was out of town all of last week for, uh, for business. I like sounding important. And he was out of town over the weekend uh, for Labor Day. So um, just could not get those times to match up and just couldn't figure it out. So hopefully we'll have him on next week. But also, uh, not just Cam Jansen. That's a big possible guest for us. Uh, Tom Calhoun, the longtime announcer in the arena for the Blues uh, going back to, I believe, the Checkerdome days is uh, also going to potentially come on. Actually, I do know he's going to come on. He is confirmed. And then also Charles Glenn, the uh, wonderful, wonderful musician that you hear doing uh, uh, the Blues song as well as the national anthem before games. Uh, He is also going to come on. So that's very exciting. I'm hoping to have one but maybe two of those guys on next week of those three. So we'll see, but if not next week, we'll have them on uh, very soon. As always, I'm going to ask that you subscribe to our show on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, and Plex. We are working on getting some other podcast platforms, some other notable ones, but uh, that'll probably be closer to the season, so stay tuned to us for that. Uh, You can also listen at letsgoblues.com slash radio, and of course, if you're hearing this on iTunes, we ask that you give us a five-star rating if possible. Again, that is helping other people find the show when you do that. We've been killing it this summer, and it's because of you, Uh, honestly. I I know I said this last week, but um, we have really gotten a great response to this series over the summer and and I really appreciate it. I mean, the numbers are showing it, the tweets that I've received, um just it's it's been really cool. So I want to thank you for listening if you're listening every week. Uh it's made it worthwhile for me to do this. So uh again, thank you and and hey, if you're just finding us over the summer, we do this during the season. Uh well, there's three hosts, two much more attractive hosts than me at least at least one of them and that's bill uh yeah tune us tune in us because because we we have some pretty good banter throughout the season we'll have guests on every now and then we have uh the audience participate in our live shows when possible so if you have not heard one of our regular shows make sure you tune in for that as well do want to get into some Sad news, uh, especially for those around the hockey community. Um, I'm sure by now many people listening to the show know about the passing of the great hockey writer Larry Wiggy of Sporting News fame. He's also posted on NHL.com. Long, long time member of the Blues press box, going back for sure with him to the Checkerdome days. It it, it this this was something that kind of hit me hard, uh, Larry wiggy is somebody that i really looked up to when i was a kid when i was 15 years old i knew i wanted to do something in hockey uh whether it be writing broadcasting so there's very few people that i i kind of latched on to and said okay i want to kind of mirror myself to be a little bit like this person because you know you don't want to do that too much uh larry wiggy was one of them i just love the way he delivered a story Just a a smart hockey mind and an excellent writer. So seeing the news that he passed is uh, very sad. If if anyone here knows Larry, if anyone listening to the show, just a a very, very kind gentleman, a very welcoming man into the St. Louis Blues press box. Uh, When I joined the media back in 2011 um, and I saw his name, on the list of media members i mean you know you think i'd get starstruck with the players and with you know even the coaches or the general manager but i was starstruck when i saw his name and i was like oh my gosh i've I've read his stuff since i was 13 14 years old and i introduced myself to him and just a very very nice man and it's only the fondest of memories i mean I think we had a, a Lou Corak came on and said that Ken Hitchcock would always ask about where Larry's at. Uh, everyone just really, really loved that guy. Wonderful human being, and, and very sad to see him go. So uh, my heart goes out to uh, Larry's family and friends. And and again, I know that I barely knew the man. I only spoke to him a handful of times, but uh, this was something that I think kind of hit. Some of us hard. My um, guest this week, we do talk a little bit about it, but um, R.I.P. to Larry Wiggy, uh, one of the best in NHL media history, for my money. Well, let's get into some more uplifting news. I guess, kind of, if if you want to consider it this, uh, the Stanley Ponder Cup Memorial Tournament benefits Be the Match Foundation and Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Uh, named after my late father who lost his battle with leukemia. Uh, God, such a downer to start the show. I'm sorry, everybody. I promise it's going to be much more exciting as we go on. Uh, but uh, the tournament is on Saturday, November 17th from 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. The bar stays open until 1 a.m. So make sure you uh, at least come out and have a drink with us afterwards because I'll be there to close the place down. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's a great time for anyone who wants to play Um, It's at Queenie Park. Midwest Sport Hockey is the name of the location. Uh, Sign-ups are now open. Goalie spots are all taken, but plenty of player spots open. If you're into inline hockey, uh, it's dropinstl.com. Just go over to the 2018 SPMCT tourney tab, and at the bottom, there's a donate button. Click that, pay your $50 entrance fee, and you are in for the tournament. Um, So, yeah, I... We, we're we going to fill this up. We always do. We never had a problem. You know, hockey players, we're all very procrastinatory. I think that's a word, right? Procrastinatory? So, yeah, there's going to be a mad rush here in a couple weeks, I think, of people signing up for the tournament. It's, it's how it always happens. You get a mad rush when it first opens, and then you don't hear from anyone for about a month, two months, and then people start signing up. So, if you are interested and you do not have to have prior experience, Yes, it's a competitive tournament, but we have a lot of fun too. So anyone is welcome to join if you want to play. I already know of one guy that's playing that uh, uh, has not played a lot. Uh, I think he's played maybe three or four times in his life. So all skill levels are welcome to play in this tournament. Also should mention too, if you're not a player, uh, we are looking for raffle items. Um, We we usually get a, a very nice assortment every year. So if you, would, uh, you or the business that you work for would be willing to donate, we are uh, uh, currently accepting those. Please reach out to me at jponder94 at gmail.com. And of course, come join us. Even if you're not a hockey player, we usually have some, some pretty cool things like uh, player jerseys from the Blues or other teams. Um, as well as we've had Blues tickets, we've had Cardinal tickets bunch of cool stuff to bid on um just you know raffle tickets are a dollar six for five that whole deal plus we do a 50 50 so uh yeah if you've never been come on out november 17th that's a saturday 2 p.m to 10 p.m bar open until one so my guest this week again is not cam jansen but he's an enforcer in his own right which we'll get into into his hockey playing days His name is Jeff Jones. He is the Game Time Drive Time podcast host, along with Brad Lee of uh, St. Louis Game Time. And Jeff also writes for Game Time. I'm sure you've read some of his stuff if you've ever hopped over to their site. Or if you've ever read the front page, uh, whenever you purchase outside of, well, prior to this season, Scott Trade, but now Enterprise... He's usually the front-page writer, so make sure you check him out over there. Uh, and, of course, buy Game Time. Go buy Game Time this year. Uh, you can subscribe online, actually, to get the magazine sent to you for all 41 home games. Uh, I don't remember what the fee is, but uh, I'm not sure exactly how to do it. But if you go over to stlouisgametime.com, I guarantee you'll be able to find a contact or a way to do that. Uh, something I have done for the last three years and, and something I've really enjoyed but uh, Jeff Jones, a big part of that, he is, uh, he's is. he been with them for a couple years now, and Jeff does a great job. So uh, a really fun interview, we talk about game time, we talk about the Blues, he's also reporting on the St. Louis Cardinals, who if you're not paying attention, have really started to turn their game around. So uh, we get a, a lot of a talk about that, Mike Schilt, Carpenter, All these other exciting things going on with the Cardinals, Uh, so don't worry, we don't talk about that for too much. But we do talk a lot of blues, so make sure you uh, stay tuned for that after the Cardinals talk. So I'm going to stop blabbing, because I know you want to hear Mr. Jones and what he has to say. So here is my interview with Jeff Jones of the St. Louis Game Times. This is Jeff from Let's Go Blues Radio, and today I'm joined by a fellow Jeff. He is Jeff Jones, uh, one of the voices you'll hear on the Game Time Drive Time podcast, along with Brad Lee, the uh, managing editor of St. Louis Game Time. Uh, He's also a writer for St. Louis Game Time. Jeff, thank you very much for coming on this week. Yeah, I'm happy to do it. Thank you for having me. So I have to ask first the St. Louis question. What high school did you go to? Uh, I went to Belleville West. Actually, I graduated in 'no five. Played hockey at
1: Belleville West. So I, 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 my, my, my defense of being a Saint Louisan has always been that Belleville is closer to downtown than Chesterfield is. So people who give me a hard time
2: uh, would do well to remember that. That's true. That's true. I mean, you're right over the the bridge there. So yeah, it's. That actually is probably pretty close. It's it's it's. I'm telling you, it's a it's eight miles closer to downtown than Chesterfield is. So that's my uh that's my long time defense. Man, I was gonna say you've even got the the mileage down. You've really had to defend yourself in the past. Yeah, I've had that conversation a couple of times. <laughs> so what position did you play in hockey? Uh I played left wing most.
1: I was the uh I was the net front guy. I was the grinding the corners guy. I was not the good hands goal scoring guy. I uh I. I Took a lot of penalty minutes, uh, hit a lot of guys, but that was, that was that was me. I was I was the grinder, which when you're playing high school hockey, uh, there's not really that much room for grinding, right? You need to score some goals to stay in the
2: lineups. so it was a little bit of a challenge. Well, good. Well, uh, I'm sure you found your way in there. You being a net front guy, I'm, I'm so shocked by that. Yeah, look, you know,
1: it, it was one of those things where uh, I – I was tall, at least in high school, before the rest of me filled out. And it was, it was less that I was good uh, at being a net front guy and more that I was not very good at much of anything else. So that was the, uh, that was the spot that was available.
2: Yeah, when I, I remember when I first started playing, I, I had just started skating probably weeks before I started actually playing hockey. And I remember my coach just saying, just go to the net. Just go to the net. And That's- I come to find out now after I've coached a couple times that means you weren't very good, and you just had to go somewhere on the ice. Well, I think it was what Yori
1: Laterra said that Billy Niemann told him once: "You want a hamburger, you go to McDonald's. You want to score a goal, you go to the net." That was the that was the Yori Laterra line. So, and you know <laughs> what? Neither Yori Latera nor Billy Nieminen were very good. So, I, I guess the advice carries over.
2: That's a good point. Um, so, you've been uh, kind of working in in covering the blues, covering the Cardinals here for a long time, at least as long as I've known you. Um, this is something I imagine that that came across to you that you wanted to do uh, when you were younger. Um, so how did you uh, decide one day, hey, I'm, I'm going to try and get in uh, writing about my favorite sports teams? So honestly, it
1: was not a thing that came to me when I was younger. Um, the first thing – that I ever did in any kind of media landscape was writing a column for game time uh, just before the Olympics in 2014. Uh, Brad had had posted on Twitter that he was short an article uh, for, for a, a blues game. He needed somebody to write something and I bought game time. I'd walked past it a number of times. Uh, and, and so I was like, you know, I, I, can, I can write, I can do this. So I wrote like an 800 word column uh, for that game. He liked it. He asked me to keep contributing stuff, and then I did. Uh, and then it turns out if you volunteer to do a bunch of stuff for free, people will let you do additional work. Uh, and then when you do a bunch of additional free work, you start figuring out that there's maybe a way to make money doing the work in the same way. So that was, that was sort of my, uh, my learning curve.
2: I guess maybe when you started doing it, even at an older age, than uh, a lot of people who are 13 and 14 and decide, uh, did you have an inspiration for uh, your writing style? Yeah, you know, the, the first
1: person that I remember reading on a regular basis as a sports writer was Derek Gould uh, when he was covering the Blues for the Post-Dispatch. So that would have been when I was in, you know, right, right about at the end of me being in high school uh, was the first time I was sort of spending time being analytical about watching hockey. Because, again, you play hockey games that I'm not saying I played at a high level, but at any kind of beyond recreation level, you kind of want to learn about what's going on. Uh, so I would spend some time trying – to learn more about the game and reading what Derek had written was a great way to, to get into that. And so in reading his stuff and now getting to know him and watching him operate, uh, on the Cardinals beat, that's a guy who I I, I've learned a lot from in terms of the right, I guess, way to try to do this.
2: So not to bring down the conversation here with some sad news, but as I'm going to mention in the open, um, the NHL hockey writers lost a, uh, an excellent writer in Larry Wiggy recently. Um, I saw you tweeted something about it the other day uh, as it happened. Um, just your general thoughts on on Larry Wiggy and, and uh, what he did writing uh, about the NHL.
1: Yeah, look, I, I think when you have uh, a nationally respected voice in your town, and the town is here, right? Like it's not, it's not Toronto, it's not New York. To have Larry Wiggy here to write the national column for the sporting news and, and to contribute so much – the coverage of hockey in a time where it wasn't that easy to find uh that kind of professional coverage and then for him to be writing on the blues website and making those contributions in those early days of what internet coverage looked like and to now uh it's blossomed into a thing where everyone has that ability to write whatever they want larry was really on i think the forefront of of making content available to more people more broadly and so as i mean it's it's a huge loss and i i think that you know for somebody who was so respected for such a long time, it's going to be, uh, it's, it's going to be, I I think a really, a really important year, I think for, uh, for, for people to do what they can to make sure that the coverage is living up to the standard that it needs to, that's been set, uh, by guys who've come before, like Larry did.
2: So, uh, kind of want to bring the mood back up a little bit, because as I said, this was, uh, uh, again, I'm going to say this in the open, but, but Larry was a huge inspiration of mine growing up. So, um don't want to don't want to start busting out the tears yet oh sure Uh, (laughs) um what's your uh so you you do the the game time drive time podcast with brad you also uh again you've been writing for game time now for a while uh what's your relationship like with brad and the rest of the the crew over at game time uh it's great i i I think that you know we're starting to uh
1: we're starting to grow that a little bit and and to look at what that looks like into making that more of a uh I don't know permanent is the wrong word because game time has been produced now for, I think it's 23 seasons as of this year. Uh, But, but, but more, uh, more respectable, I guess uh, to do what we can to see if we can sort of offer the kind of full-time coverage that you can get from other outlets. Uh, And I I think that we definitely have the ability to do that. Brad's fantastic. He's uh, you know, look, it's, 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 it's not exactly the world's most profitable uh, outlet, right. To, to print, 41 games a year plus whatever playoff games to print uh, 24 pages of news printed to have them sold and to manage vendors uh, and, and to manage sponsors and deal with all the aspects of that. And so uh, it, it, it's a challenge to make it happen and to put it out every year. And the fact that it does happen is a huge credit to him and to the uh, the editors that, that came before him.
2: So let's say the, uh, the Blues, and, and Brad's been on, so we've talked about this a little bit, but uh, more from a writer's perspective, um what's your uh, what's a day like let's say uh, tomorrow night the blues have a, a home game and the issue is coming out um what is your next 24 hours like as a writer for game time So uh, it'll be mostly the morning before. Uh,
1: I'll I'll do my best if they're on the ice the morning before. I'll try to wait until they get off to see if there's any news that breaks or anything else. But then I'll uh, I'll have I'll have a column written. My I write the front page for game time, and so we're talking about uh, twelve hundred words or so. So I'll have a draft of that done and have it. I I try to have it submitted to Brad by three o'clock or so the day before. Uh, the, the day before printing, because I know that not everyone has it submitted quite so early, and then a lot of times he ends up getting submissions at more like 3 o'clock in the morning uh, than 3 in the afternoon, and he ends up sitting up waiting for those things to be put in so we can send it to the printer, because, you know, in order for it to be a physical paper, it's got to get to a printing press, right, in, in, in uh, a publisher format and be able to be produced. So uh, because I write such a big chunk of it in writing the front page, and then it spills over onto, onto one of the uh, one of the back pages, I try to make sure I have that done. So I'll I'll have that written uh yeah, usually by the afternoon and then we'll uh, we'll wait and see if there's any news that breaks the day of and things that need to be covered online will be, but otherwise that's once it's out of my hands and in the printer there's not much I can do about it, which is sometimes uh a little bit nerve-wracking considering that, you know, news can break in a real big hurry and it may not always reflect
2: uh what's been written. So I mean, what's it like, let's say the Blues played an away game tonight and then tomorrow they're they got their home game. I mean, are you still trying to get something out three o'clock before the last game was played or are you uh, scrambling I, later? I I will usually try to get it done if at all possible. Uh, in those cases,
1: you know, on, on, on those back to backs, I'm more likely to write kind of a broader front page that either focuses more on the opponent or that focuses on maybe like a featured story about one particular player on the team rather than trying to do like a locked in game analysis. Because the one thing I have going for me is that I don't really have uh, a specific format that I have to follow with any, with any of the things that I've, that I've written. It just needs to be, you know, broadly relevant uh, to the context of the game, I guess. And so in some cases I have the ability to fudge it a little bit. Uh, but if I can't, I can't. And so it's waiting up to, uh, to write after a game
2: this coming season again the uh, the St. Louis game time is is what now in their 26th season I, I i have to go back and do i have to go back
1: and do the math because the first so game night review uh debuted i believe with Scott Trade Center but you also had or with with was in Keel Center and is now the Enterprises, so Wow, okay, boy, I just did that. That's the first time I've not done that one. Uh, so, it, so, Game Night Game Review debuted with the Keel Center, I believe, because that was that was after a, a time uh, when The Committed Indian was being printed in Chicago. So, I think this is season
2: 23, but I'd, I'd have to look to double check, to be honest. Well, don't I'll edit all this later to where yeah. we. Start. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That, this, uh, this is the season it's in. Um, so I was going to ask you just, uh, for anyone who's never picked up a game time or anyone who's never uh, viewed you yeah. guys online, uh, what can people expect this season from St. Louis game time? I think that the one thing you can expect from us every season, uh, is a little bit
1: of irreverence. reverence. In, in the coverage while we, you know, look, we try to take it seriously and try to be fair with it. There's also uh, some jokey stuff in there, too. There's a every issue is going to have a sign to hold up for the Jumbotron. Uh, every issue is going to have a cartoon in there somewhere. I You know, I, I've i made the joke when I've sold the paper in the past. Uh, if I'm out on the corner yelling, I'll, you know. I'll yell roster stats, game notes, the F word. We have all of that in here, uh, which is true. We do. There, you know. So there's a. It's it's not always the gentlest of language uh, for, for for people to read, but you know, it's the joke that we have written on the front page is. But it's a hockey paper, so you should get over it. Uh, which you know, which seems fair enough. But I, I think that in terms of this year specifically. Uh we're definitely gonna be doing more, I think, with the audio. We're looking at expanding the podcast a little bit and and, and seeing what's out there in, in terms of what Brad and I can be doing more frequently, as well as adding more voices to it, because as much as it, you know, as much as we have a good time doing it together, uh, it's a little bit of a challenge to be putting out the paper and to be recording a podcast for every home game. Uh this year we're gonna be adding some road games to that as well. So in, in putting all that together, we're gonna be, I think, branching out uh, a little bit more but if you've never if you've never bought the paper uh I can assure you the other thing that I'll say when I'm selling the paper is that I guarantee it's not the worst $4 you spent in a given day I can I can make that guarantee no matter what so uh it, it it's definitely worth at least checking out to get a view of kind of what what we think is the uh the fan view of the team on a given night
2: yeah definitely you don't want to spend those $4 in Vegas I know all about that See? <laughs> no, I just, uh, you know, yeah, sometimes $4 doesn't go as far as uh, well, you works. buy a game title. Again, yeah. You know, you
1: you stop to get gas, and all of a sudden you walk out, and you bought a Monster and a donut, and there's there's your 4 bucks. That's a yep. worse $4. Yeah, better for you than those
2: $4? I'll give you that. I'll give you that for sure. So you mentioned that uh, you were kind of wanting to expand the audio a little bit as well. Um, I talked to Brad before when he was on about – Um, just how in in his time uh, covering the team has just completely changed and it's not just magazines anymore it's 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 writing online it's it's doing the podcast I mean Beyond Checkerdome has come out from you guys as well as again the Game Time Drive Time podcast so you started the Game Time Drive Time uh last year Uh, again we've had Brad on he's talked a little bit about it but um, in your opinion, what differentiates you guys from other Blues podcasts or maybe even Blues radio? So the thing that we that we wanted to do for the
1: Drive Time podcast last year was to be a product that you could listen to on your way to the game that would preview that night's game. Uh, because, you know, in thinking about it, while KMOX, for example, does a pregame show and they do a great job, uh, they're on the air at 6 or 6.30. And for a lot of fans, they're already down there at that point, right? For hardcore Blues fans, they're getting to the arena when the doors open. They're getting down early to to eat dinner or or whatever before they go into the game. And so we thought if we could record a podcast kind of in that in that little space of time between the end of the morning skate, when you're getting news about the lineup and you're getting news about what the team's going to look like that night. And then before uh, folks would be driving to the arena, then that's the thing you can listen to when your car on the way and get that pregame show uh, without having to, you know, without either waiting for the KMOX show to start or, you know, not having maybe the most up-to-date or most game specific information uh, in a podcast. And I've been on the
2: show, so yep. I, I I can attest that you guys put a lot of work into it. Um, you've done a couple where you did a show like an intermissions of games, and we did. how does that work? Do you release them the next day, and and kind of that way people can hear the real time reaction? Uh, both of those cases, we actually released them that night. So there was one, uh, there there there, there was
1: one game, and it was one of, or actually it might have been the last home game of the season last year, uh, where a friend of ours had a private suite for the evening, invited us to spend time in the suite. So I brought the laptop with me and we just sort of recorded, uh, recorded, you know, between before the game, after the game, and then between uh, during intermission. And then the last game of the season, uh, we follow that same pattern as well. And those those were exciting. I I think that, you know, it's a lot of fun to get that sort of, live uh live or or quasi live i guess view of what the game looks like uh the question that i've always had about that is would we be able to have the wherewithal to put together any kind of like intermission show that's probably a little bit harder considering that i'm probably at the game uh more frequently than Brad is and you know it, it's hard to link up and and to make those things happen but it was you know it was it was a lot of fun to be in an environment where we were just sort of immediately regurgitating thoughts of games that we had just seen uh, directly into the podcast. And and it gives, I think a sort of more direct and honest interpretation of what we were seeing at the
2: time. Uh, So for those that that would like to listen to the drive time podcast, um, where can everybody find you online? Yeah, if you just search for uh, Game Time
1: Drive Time on iTunes, on Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, we should be there and be available. We're going to be, over the next week or so, finalizing exactly what we're planning to do uh, changes-wise here, I think, for the rest of the season, so there should definitely be some more big news on that front coming here shortly.
2: I try to take advantage of this when I get someone like you on, somebody who also does some coverage of the cardinals um i don't get to uh talk a lot of cardinals on let's go blues radio so i'm going to make people listen to us talk about the cardinals go for it uh you uh you also host uh locked on cardinals which is a daily cardinals podcast uh what can you tell me about that uh yeah
1: so i i cover the cardinals for wgnu radio here in town and then yeah i've hosted and, and, and written for uh written columns for Locked On Cardinals throughout the season. And it's been uh, a really cool way to, again, to, to sort of have that direct access to the team uh, and to offer what I hope is, uh, I'll, I'll say what I hope is the honest coverage of the team, the way that I have seen it uh, and, and, and through my interpretation of what that honesty looks like. So I, I think that, You know, in some cases, there is a little bit of constraint uh, in terms of, you know, outlets that may be rights holders, may not be in a position to be uh, to go to go full deep dive into some aspects of covering the team. And so uh, try to fill those gaps in as best as I can.
2: Uh, So what do you uh, what you said you cover it on the radio as well. Uh, Go ahead and plug that a little bit. Yeah, so uh, St. Louis Live is the morning show on
1: WGNU. It's nine twenty a.m. Uh, we're on seven to ten every Monday through Friday, and I do the I uh, do the full time sports reporting for them. And so uh, that's that looked like primarily the Cardinals beat the summer. I actually uh, just the other day finished up my third scorebook of the year. So that's seventy five Cardinals games I've been at so far this summer. So that many down in the uh, the rest of the month, and then maybe October to go, I guess. So uh, we do that. I was at the championship i was out at the uh, the sec basketball tournament you know when when it was here this past spring so uh at this point anything anybody's gonna
2: let me cover i will happily get in there and do it you want to do the post game show of this interview i'll let you i hey look if 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 if, there, if
1: there's more to be done if there's breaking down that needs to happen <laughs> i i will break it until it stays
2: broke at the 15 minute mark jeff said this Nah, that would be that would be ah. fun. It's like well, that, that dead show. We'll do it. Ah. <laughs> it. I'm in. Uh, so again, talking about the Cardinals, I wanted to get your opinion on uh, a little bit. Uh, don't worry, anyone who's not Cardinals fans, we won't spend too much time here. But uh, it's something I have to ask you about: Mike Matheny gets let go. Mike Schilt takes over at the time of this recording, which is uh, September 5th in the afternoon. Schultz thirty and sixteen and the Cardinals have moved back to four point five games of the Cubs for first place in the central. Um what has what has been the biggest difference that you've seen of this team and, and how they're able to kind of turn things around so quickly? Yeah, I think that
1: the whiteness in the clubhouse is palpable, honestly. When you're in there now, uh, you feel a group of guys who are coming together and a group of guys who have this sort of – unbroken support for their manager that frankly, Mike Matheny was not enjoying uh, to this part in the season. And I, I think part of that has to do with a lot of these guys are, are coming up with Mike Schilt and they, you know, and they appreciate what he's done for them. Part of it has to do with the fact that, you know, some of these guys did get a wake up call uh, when the man and then several analysts that when the manager gets fired, it's a reflection on the players not performing up to standard, and and so I think that there, you know, there there were some guys who who took that as the challenge and the wake up call that it was, uh, and and consequently have managed to respond uh, with with stronger
2: years than they were having before that's which happened. So recently, the Cardinals did announce that Mike Schilt has the interim tag taken off. Now, we've seen in the NHL and other sports especially, but we'll talk about the NHL since this is a hockey show. Uh, we've seen managers and, I mean, coaches get let go uh, just a couple of years ago, even when Ken Hitchcock was let go and Mike Yo came in. Uh, the Blues all of a sudden turned it around and were a playoff team. Do you worry that's the, the, the what's going to happen with the Cardinals, or do you think Mike Schilt is the real deal behind the bench? So I do think Mike
1: Shild is the real deal in that, uh, from at least from from a person management perspective, uh, from 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 handling personalities in the room and and on the team, I think he is far better equipped to that job. Than Mike Matheny was. Uh, do I think there's a risk that some of that enthusiasm is going to peter out? Yeah, in part. Part of it was that the Cardinals played, you know, 760 baseball in August, and that wasn't going to be sustainable for the rest of the season. They were due for some regression. Uh, part of it is, I think, yeah. There's a there's a chance that some of that energy that comes from you know playing for your guy and wanting to show everyone that Chilt can be the guy. Some of that dissipates when he gets the job, and so the uh, the 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 challenge is going to be making sure that that exhale is not too extreme and the
2: team doesn't feel too comfortable. Do you think Mike Matheny ever gets a manager job in the MLB? Yeah, I do. I I think that, you know, if nothing else,
1: he won a lot of games here. uh, And for all of the flaws that he had as the manager here, some of them were the result of that. Look, he was here for nearly seven seasons. Eventually, the message gets stale. And some of it, I I, I think was uh, maybe things he can convince bosses that he's willing to learn from, whether or not he does learn from those things, I guess will be something that we'll see in the next job, but I can certainly see him, uh, you know, Kansas city, for example, was a spot where, Ned Yost, probably not going to be there for forever. Uh, you, you can see that coming to the end of the line there. Cincinnati, possibly even if there's a situation where uh, Jim Riggleman either doesn't want the job or, I mean, Jim Riggleman historically has not had like the longest lifespan uh, of, of baseball managers over a long stretch. So there are there are some jobs that I think would make sense for Matheny. And, you know, given that, A lot of times, all it takes to stay in is to get in. He's going to get another opportunity somewhere.
2: So I want to talk about Matt Carpenter as well. You can't talk about Cardinals without talking about Matt Carpenter. Uh, He's now batting 271, 35 home runs, first in the NL, um, and uh, obviously passing his career mark in home runs this year. May 15th, he was batting 140. Uh, Again, another player that has completely turned around, really started turning around. Before the manager change, um, what have you noticed in his game that's just made him just explode the way he has? And do you really believe the hype that he could be an MVP candidate?
1: The really interesting thing about Matt Carpenter is that at the start of the season, when he was struggling so badly and his numbers were so poor, he went into the front office, talked to the analytics department, and was like, okay, what are you seeing? Like, what are you seeing in my underlying numbers that makes you suggest that this might be happening? Uh, And they all told him basically you're fine. You're hitting into bad luck. This is going to correct itself. Uh, and it was an extended period of bad luck, but lo and behold, it did correct itself. And, you know, he's healthy now for the first time in a couple of years, has his shoulder fixed and patched up and, and, and good to go. So I, I think that this is just sort of, this is a normalization of what his year should have been from the beginning. Uh, do I think he's an MVP candidate? Yeah, I, I think he's an MVP candidate. I think he's probably, uh, he's, I think he's definitely going to be finishing the top five, probably in the top three. Does he win the MVP? That's that's harder to determine because part of it, uh, part of what he's going to be judged for is that he maybe doesn't have the kind of like dominating defensive performance because if you're talking about it, it's Carpenter, uh, probably Noel Arenado, and probably Javier Baez are the three guys who are, who are at the top of that race. Baez and Arenado are both electric kind of defenders. Uh, they're both going to end up with more RBI than Carpenter has. He's going to be ahead in a lot of the rate stats and a lot of the uh, and a, a lot of the, uh, the 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 new modern stats. I guess of hitting uh, are, are, are going to be more in Matt Carpenter's favor, and so it's going to be a balance between guys who value that and guys who value the, the pure counting kind of stats.
2: Hot take time: Are the Cardinals going to make the playoffs? Yes. They will play in the wild card game. uh I am rooting for the wild
1: card game to be in St. Louis rather than Milwaukee, but they will they will be in the wild card game.
2: Very good to hear well, let's uh get into every, what everybody's tuning in for, probably, and that's to hear your take a little bit on the St Louis Blues, who are sure. just a couple weeks away from uh training camp opening up, which is exciting for again everybody listening to the show as well as the two people on it. Uh, What's your uh, overall roster opinion uh, heading into this year's training camp? So the really interesting
1: thing about this roster is that I think Doug Armstrong had two situations arise where he ended up with both plan A and plan B. Uh, And by that, I mean, I think that it was clear that Ryan O'Reilly was plan A for adding a center and Tyler Bozak was plan B. And I think it's also fairly likely that Pat Maroon was plan A for adding a depth forward and David Perron was plan B. And he ended up with both of those players in both of those circumstances. And so it does create a, a little bit law jam is the wrong word, because obviously I think we saw last year, you can never have too much forward talent given that they had uh, very little forward talent out of the top six last year. So, but it, it, it does create, I think some interesting lineup decisions in terms of, you know, Robert Thomas going back to the OHL is probably a non-starter. It's not necessary. There's enough for him to prove there, but is it, Great for him to be in the NHL if he's going to play on the fourth line. What does that look like? Uh, I think also, you know, watching what the defense looks like at the start of the season. Is Jay Bomeister healthy? Is Carl Gunnarsson healthy? Uh, and frankly, look, is Vladimir Tarasenko healthy, right? Because i do not think really know what he's going to look like either uh, coming off of shoulder surgery. I, uh, I I ran into him at the PGA Championship. Uh, we talked briefly I didn't notice him being particularly out of shape. I get home from that, and I hear people saying that they saw him out there and he looked terrible. <laughs> I didn't get that impression, uh, you know. But it is going to be—it's it, going to be interesting to see if he has that same sort of snap and that same sort of fire off the shot. Uh, if he—if he's in a spot where he really—he—he he really is coming off his first serious major injury as a professional, and and that rehab is,
2: is a challenge for anyone. So you mentioned uh, Robert Thomas uh, possibly playing on the fourth line. Uh, another name that's come up there is Zach Sanford, who was out last year with injuries. Um, now that's uh, that's a, a position that has been held down by Kyle Brodziak in, in the most recent years, and, and a guy that really kind of stepped up there after the Stastny trade. Um, obviously, the overall, the offense has gotten better. But Brodziak was a guy that was used in in multiple situations. Um, do you think the Blues have the depth to be able to replace that fourth-line center? And do you think that could be either Sanford or Thomas? So I think that Brodziak is going to be a much
1: bigger loss uh, than people are counting on, given his prominence in killing penalties, given that he was the guy who was taking important face-offs at the end of the season, and he was the guy who could float around the lineup uh, if you really needed to. In the summer of 2017 at the NHL draft in Chicago, I ran into Doug Armstrong and was talking to him about what the fourth line was going to look like, because that was the draft where Ryan Reeves was traded to Pittsburgh, and then there was some reshaping of that. Uh, At the time, what he told me was that he was expecting to reshape the fourth line as a sort of faster, more speed oriented line. Right. And he, he mentioned guys uh, like Barbashev and Sanford into that role. Then fast forward to the summer uh, you sign Chris Thorburn to a two-year deal. You have Robbie Fabry go back hurt again early in camp. And so uh, in a little bit of a panic and a little bit of not being able to find anyone else, they go and they re-sign uh, Scotty Upshaw off a tryout contract from Vancouver. Then all of a sudden, the fourth line looks like the fourth line has looked. Uh, the short answer is yes, I think Robert Thomas can, can be as good an NHL player next year as Kyle Brodziak. The bigger question is, is that the right developmental step for that player? And if it is, does it mean that that fourth line is going to have to get more opportunities to play uh, like a regular part of the lineup? Because part of what happens when you add, you know, a Bozak and uh, a Perron to the middle six is that that third line soaks up more of that ice time and so if robert thomas is the fourth line center and also playing seven
2: minutes a night that's probably not conducive to the best possible development kind of talking you mentioned robbie fabry what are you expecting from him this season especially early on yeah i i'm i'm going to say that i'm not expecting
1: anything from robbie fabry i i I think that you really can't go into uh, a season with a guy who hasn't played in more than a year and a half, and expect him to really contribute a lot. Anything they're going to get from him is 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 going to be a bonus. But he's going to have, you know, he's going to have opportunities. I, I think to play up in the lineup. It wouldn't shock me to see him get a chance uh, next to Shen and Schwartz, for example. It wouldn't shock me even look if he's on the third line with Bozak and Steen. That's still a line with some guys who have some ability, uh, and he's going to be counted on to be the kind of speedy offensive force on that line so uh well I'm not counting on him to contribute a whole lot I think that the best case scenario is like you know 18 to 20 goal 45 to 50 point kind of season and if, if Robbie
2: Fabry has that year it's hugely successful you mentioned Schwartz and Shen do you see them rekindling the magic that they found last year yeah, I think so. I mean, these are guys who have known
1: each other personally for a long time. They played together when they were kids, and they, they seem to have that kind of uh, inherent, innate connection that, that was productive for them all throughout last year. You know, I'm, I'm sure you'll see some shuffling as the year goes on. That's pretty uh, that, that's pretty inevitable, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm confident that you will see those to uh, continue to play as they did
2: as long as Jaden Schwartz can continue to stay healthy. So we mentioned a lot of the offense here, but something that um, Blues fans have not really talked about a lot this summer is um, how the defense looks. Like you mentioned, the, the injuries to Boehmester and Gunnarsson. Um, it looks like uh, Petra, Petrangelo and Pareko are two guys who are going to be getting the bulk of the ice time. Uh, now the Blues historically, you know, Sands, Pronger, and McKinnis. Haven't gotten a lot of love in the NHL, just maybe because they're a Midwest city or uh, whatever the case may be. Do you see uh, them having a, a kind of a great season to where they get commended around NHL awards time? Or do you think this is just going to be a uh, defense by committee and all these guys are going to be able to contribute and, and work well with the offense to win some games? So I do think that Alex Petrangelo is probably. Uh, a, a guy who would get some consideration if
1: all things go well for some postseason awards. You know, the the Norris is one of those where it kind of seems like it goes to a guy when it's his turn, right? There seems to be this weird, broad, vague consensus among the hockey media, uh, especially the Canadian hockey media, about what it means for, for it to be somebody's turn. And I, I think that probably Alex Petrangelo is – the guy who's up next uh, after Victor Hedman had the season that he had last year and got the recognition that he got last year. So I do think that you know if, if Alex Petrangelo plays up to what he's capable of doing at his highest levels, then uh, then that that's then he's in good shape for that. The other consideration is a partner for Alex Petrangelo because if you broke down the numbers uh, last year, both in terms of offense and in terms of possession stats. When he was playing with Jay Bowmeister last season, his numbers took a nosedive. When he was playing next to, to Joel Edmondson, uh, his numbers were, were incredibly strong and at the top of the league. And, you know, that doesn't maybe reflect well on Bowmeester, but it's, it's a realistic, I think, uh, depiction of where Jay Bowmeister is at at this point in his career, or at least where the compromised version of Jay Meester was at last year, where he wasn't able to play at the same level as Alex Petrangelo was, and it, it dragged down everyone involved.
2: So, do you see any holes in this lineup?
1: Yeah, I, I, there. So there, there are a couple things. Uh, obviously, again, we're talking about if the defense is not healthy. I don't know that you can really count on uh, the Mitch Rankies and the Jake Wallmans and potentially the Jordan Schmaltzes of the world to to fill in on the back line and and be the kind of reliable guy you need them to be off the hop. Uh, the big hole in the lineup continues to be the hole in net, right? I, I, until there's Something is done with Jake Allen or not done and he becomes the goaltender that the team seems to think he can be, that's that's it. Uh, you know, I, I think if if Jake Allen is a nine oh five goaltender again, then they are struggling to make the playoffs. If Jake Allen is a nine twenty goaltender, then they are probably contending to win the division. And then and, and so uh his performance is the
2: by far the biggest variable in what the blues can do this season. Looking at the rest of the Central Division, there's been a couple teams that have improved, but a couple that have maybe gotten slightly worse. Where do you put the Blues? uh, Just judging by what you've seen on paper and maybe even past results, uh, where do they slot in this year in the Central Division?
1: Probably right around third. I, you know, I, I think that Nashville and Winnipeg are probably two of the five best teams in the league, and so it's hard to, uh, it's hard to be very critical of them, and, and hard to think the Blues can overtake them. But I do think that the Blues should slot in behind them. You know, I, I think that uh, Colorado is probably due. Uh, to, to, to to receive a little bit. I think Chicago is a mess right now. Uh, I don't necessarily buy Dallas. Now, if Dallas gets Tiger, to get, gets Tyler Sagan signed and things sort of calm down there, then maybe that changes. But, you know, Dallas is another team where the goaltending is a question mark. And even Winnipeg to an extent, like Connor Hellebuck had a great season last year, but, you know, you, you need to see him do it again, I think, before you can be really confident that the Jets are going to be at the level they were last year last year and you need to see the scoring depth kind of step up because the end of the year when the Jets really got dominant was when they added Paul Staffney to that lineup and he was able to stretch it and make it deeper and you put him between YNA and Ehlers and they, they become a real threat as a unit. Now with him gone, they're going to have to find that scoring depth elsewhere.
2: Well, Jeff, uh, we're coming up to the close here, but I want to make sure to give you plenty of op- or plenty of opportunity to pitch Anything, anything yeah. that, because I know you've got your, uh, your hands in a lot of different bowls. So. Right. Uh, anything that you want to promote right now, I'm giving you a free ring, whatever. Go ahead. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, make sure you, uh, make sure you subscribe to St. Louis game time this year. It's at
1: ST Lewis game time on Twitter. Uh, we'll be outside of every blues home game and look for more in the next coming weeks uh, about what the game time drive time podcast is going to look like here throughout the duration of the year. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at J M Jones, You'll find all of my Cardinals stuff there. You'll find the lockdown, the lockdown Cardinals podcast there as well. Uh you can read me on stlouisgametime.com and in the pages of St. Louis Game Time this year. Uh and hopefully anywhere elsewhere, wherever. Uh, so we'll be a it'll be a busy season for sure, covering more blues hockey, but we're gonna do our best to to bring it to you
2: to the best of our abilities. Can people find you on Tinder? Uh probably. How <laughs> cold are
1: Where's their where's their where's their rain
2: set at? If you look hard
1: enough, you probably can find me. All right, all right, we'll look for you
2: yeah all right thanks jeff i
1: appreciate you coming on thank here. you jeff have a good one
2: well again if you want to follow jeff on twitter he is at jm jones j-m-j-o-n-e-s and of course follow st louis game time for all your blues coverage at st louis game time uh so again thank you jeff that was a lot of fun having him on as always he's uh Uh, somebody who I've been on his show before, and and, um, they they have a fun show. So make sure you check them out. Uh, Like he said, they're kind of uh, vying to the Blues fans that are driving down to the game who want a different take on a pregame show. So make sure you check them out for that. It's a good listen. Him and Brad do a wonderful job as well as uh, the other people they've had on the show, including me. Well, a big thanks goes out to Smash and Gene Ackman for their song Let's Go Blues. And, of course, a big thanks to the late Johnny Johnson for uh, his terrific piano solo. Again, still no news on the new song that's going to be coming out, but I do know it's in the works as we speak. So uh, if I hear anything, uh, pay attention to me on social and and listen to the next show, and hopefully I'll have something for you. But, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at jponder94. And uh, anything that I hear, I will be posting on there, as well as Facebook. If you're not my Facebook friend, I encourage you to find me. It's not hard. Jeff Ponder, look for me. I'm there. There's a picture of me with all my beauty and and a a microphone in my face. Can't miss me. The other Twitter handles for this show, make sure you check out the official Twitter, which uh, whenever I have news about the show that I post, uh, Kurt runs that and he usually does a very good job of uh, uh, retweeting me. So uh, any news that... If you don't want to follow me and my annoyingness, just follow LGB Radio for that annoyingness. Kurt Price is at... Kurt Price, that's Kurt with a C. Bill Day is at Billy Blue Note. Our guest for next week, as I said earlier, don't know yet, but I'm thinking it's going to be at least one of the three of Cam Jansen, Tom Calhoun, or Charles Glenn. There's also potential that uh, for you Twitter folks who might be interested in this, Mr. Art Lippo will be on at some point. So hoping to have one of those guys on next week. As I said, maybe two, uh, since we're getting kind of down to the wire here. And training camp starts in a couple weeks, folks. A couple weeks! God, August is the longest longest month now that September is here you can actually feel hockey season getting ready to start I think it kind of starts there with the icebreaker and then uh, it just kind of snowballs from there and, and we're getting there we're getting there folks it's it's close and I'm, I'm excited this should be a fun year well again thank you to my guest Jeff Jones this week and again next week we'll have somebody just as exciting as Jeff hopefully, hopefully they are And I want to thank you for listening to another episode of the Talking Blues Summer Interview Series, and I will talk to you next week on the next episode of Let's Go Blues Radio.